Yo, you don't know who oh, this is Brushable Spipe, and right now you're listening to Pop That Talk Uncensored with Jojo and Brit. Don't touch that dial, keep the fire burning. Ja Rastafari. Hey guys, you are now listening to Talk That Talk Uncensored with Jojo and Brit. And this episode, we have a very special guest. We have a living legend yes. <laughs> here in our presence. <laughs> we have a superstar international reggae artist, Pressure. So welcome, Pressure. Thank you for joining us. Bless up, Brittany. Bless up, Joy. <laughs> so I'm going to get right into it. So born and raised in the U.S. Virgin Islands, Delano Brown, also known as Pressure, first rose to popularity in the Virgin Islands and in regional and national reggae circles as a member of the Star Lion Family Reggae Group, a group of seven young local artists. Pressure is an artist dedicated to consistently delivering conscious messages to teach and unite the masses through his musical talents. He broke through the US and European markets shortly after going solo. With a catalog of amazing work at the core of his musical foundation, he's worked with artists such as Damian Marley, Taurus Riley, and Chronix. USVI Tourism Department announced that Pressure's Virgin Islands Nice track would be the epicenter of a massive global scale marketing campaign for the US Virgin Islands. In 2019, single Do It and Done won Virgin Islands Road March, the first time a non-Calypso artist has captured the title. Pressure continues to ascend to his plateau of being a globally recognized reggae artist from the US Virgin Islands. Yay. <laughs> So let me give you guys a little background on how I met Pressure because this mm-hmm. is like a full circle moment. So back mm-hmm. in 2015, which you kind of read in his bio, so the, the Department of Tourism for the Virgin Islands was using the Virgin Islands Nice and they did a contest. And so the contest was, it was gonna be an all expense paid trip to the Virgin Islands. Um, and what you had to do was submit your rendition of Pressure's VI Nice. And so, mm-hmm. Brittany was the one that tagged me. So I get like a Facebook notification. And um, after I'm like looking at it and I'm like, there is no way that I wanted to go ahead and submit. But then I was like, I don't know if I can do his verse. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I don't have like no Caribbean accent. And I'm like, I'm not like Drake that I'm going to try and mimic. (laughs) Right. But I remember seeing it, I was just like, whatever, I have nothing to lose. So I just did an Mm -hmm. acoustic version. And so I submitted it, you know, not really thinking about, um, I I mean, wanting to win, but I was like, there's probably going to be a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. You won through votes. And so the video with the most votes won and I ended up winning. So (laughs) that I got an all expense paid trip. And so during my trip there, they were doing it around, I think it was a peace concert. Yes. Yes. And mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of centered around that, but it ended up getting rained out that year and we didn't have it, but oh. we still had um, the the dinner. So I was going to have dinner with pressure bus pipe. And so, mm-hmm. of course, being the Hispanic that I am, I brought my whole family. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Virgin Islands was like that trip was like, that's unforgettable like one Mm -hmm. of the top trips that like everyone talks about because everyone's like 
I never have met somebody that's actually won something and then it's actually like delivers. And I'm like, no, they went above yeah. and beyond too because yeah, you villa. stayed in a nice villa. Oh my God. I went yeah. to every single island. It was like, mm-hmm. it was so, it was so amazing. And then of course the best part was that I had my whole family there. And so <laughs> in the, so at the dinner, I, I vividly remember our conversation pressure. And it's very interesting because I feel like in life, you always meet a lot of like interesting people. And I remember the conversation we had at the time I was, <laughs> I'm over here thinking like, should I contemplate doing music? <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I remember like asking you a lot about the industry and then even just yourself, like your journey as an artist. And then it was just, it was so down to earth. Like your personality was so sincere. And I felt like that's just a, people from the Virgin Islands hold, like just very down to earth. And fast forward to the last time I was in Atlanta, I hit you up. And then again, the same, the same type of energy, just like we, I was in the studio with you and Leo. And just seeing that creative process was like, it's just like in the, being in the presence of like an artist. Like if mm-hmm. anyone has, yeah. you know, been, it's just like seeing that unfold, seeing how people can, like how you were making music, like in your head and like these lyrics. And it was just so amazing that again, it was so, you know, I fast forward to now we're finally doing this interview because you are, you know, Brittany and I started this podcast to give people like yourself Um, a chance to kind of talk your truth but essentially for us like I want people that may not know of you you know especially I'm in Baltimore right now and I'm Salvadorian that they come across and they're just like oh my gosh you know that we're all as human beings like we just all can always connect um especially through music which your music is um amazing so that's just a little story time um, about how this this came about and just, you know, that, um, you know, like Brittany mentioned in your bio, the Virgin Islands Nice Track, how, how big it was and still is, you know, I feel like that's still, and a sense of pride that comes from that, um, and right. a sense of pride that I get when I hear it, because I've heard it on, um, when they were using it for commercials. And when I would see yeah, it, like, yeah. and I would just always mm-hmm. record it. I'm like, oh my God, I know that person. <laughs> With that what? being said, we're going to get into an icebreaker. So this is why we're going to test your Virgin Islands knowledge, Presha. We'll see if you're really an ambassador <laughs> of the territory. <laughs> the first few questions are going to be easy, so they won't be multiple choice. But the, like, I think like six or seven of them, we're going to do it in, a, in multiple choice fashion to give you a chance <laughs> to answer the questions, okay, fairly. So this is, these are the rules though. If you answer it right, we have to take a sip of our drink. Okay. If you get it wrong, you have to take a sip of your drink. Okay. So no pressure. <laughs> so first question, how many islands make up the US Virgin Islands? Four. Good job. All right. <laughs> Let me take a sip. Mm-hmm. All right. What is the capital of the U.S. Virgin Islands? Charlotte Amali. Okay. All I'm right. Gonna my, I'm going to just hold my drink right here. <laughs> what was the former capital of the U.S. VA? Cruise Bay, Frederickstead, or Christiansted? Mm. I would have to say Frederick said. Er, 
wrong. It is. It was Christiansted. Wow. <laughs> Should I have to take a sip? Here's another question. When did the transfer from a Danish colony to a U.S. territory occur? March 21st, 1917, March 31st, 1917, or March 31st, 1916? March 21st. No, March Wrong. 31st, March 31st. Wow. <laughs> Next <I> question. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the three women that led the slave revolt to freedom on St. Croix? Martha, Anna, and Maggie, Mary, Agatha, and Marion, or Mary, Agnes, and Matilda? Three. Mary, Agnes, and Matilda? Yes. All right. Okay, you got that one right. I'll take a sip. Okay. Who was the first elected governor of the VI? Cyril E. King, Melvin Evans, or Juan Luis? Melvin Evans. Okay. You're okay. right. What is the Virgin Islands state bird? Hummingbird, banana keep, or chicken hawk? Chicken hawk. You want it to be chicken hawk because you're a chicken hawk, but no, it's banana keep. <laughs> the yellow breast. <laughs> we're learning so much. I just knew it. I knew you were going to say chicken hawk. So for those that are listening, um, the first high school established in the Virgin Islands was Charlotte Amalia High School here in St. Thomas, and their mascot is a chicken hawk. And that's where um, Pressure uh, graduated from high school. Facts. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the official music of the Virgin Islands? Reggae? Qu Calypso? Will or, be. Okay. Will <laughs> you got that one. <laughs> <laughs> what year did the official carnival of the USVI take place? 1952, 1950, or 1960? It was 19... 19... 1952? Yes, you're correct. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> He's like, put some respect. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, who composed the VI National Anthem? Alton Adams. All right. Enough said. <laughs> Good. So you got seven out of 10. You got a 70, so I guess you pass. <laughs> Good. You pass, Wait, do you, you want to do a bonus one to see if he, he passed? Okay, like, yeah, it's like, let's it's like, see. So you can, you have the opportunity from a C to a B. If B student is like a right. legit. <laughs> mm -hmm, right. So this is the bonus question. Name three keys in the USVA. Three keys is mm -hmm. you have upper brass, Lower okay. brass. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> lower brass. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip. <laughs> I, I, I know you mean you know, but I don't want to tell you. Um, you have what's it name? Is it St. James? Yeah. Okay, I'll give that one to you, Little yeah. St. James. Yeah. So, one more? Yeah. 
Um, what is Roach Island? Which one? Roach Island. I never, I never heard of that one. You might let not me, be let wrong. Me look, let me let me look it up real quick, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna look it up quick, just to be fair. Because they have yeah. to like. Okay. Yes, that's fair. Yeah. So right. actually, so Cockroach Island is in the BBI. So you weren't too far off, but I'll give you the bonus. So eight out of ten. Perfect. And then with the first one, there's outer and inner brass. Outer and That's inner. what it is. Correct. Yeah. So you said upper <laughs> and lower. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I know what you meant. Know <laughs> where you come from. Right, yeah. We won't strip away your ambassador card just yet. Official ambassador. So why don't we get started and talk to us about your upbringing. Upbringing was more um, family structured. You know, my mother, my father always had me in, involved in opportunity, I mean, in little activities and stuff. You know, I started to play the trumpet at the age of um, nine years old, you know, um, in, in Lockhart Elementary School. And at the same time, I was able to join um, the Rising Stars Youth Steel Orchestra from the age of nine and 10 years old, you know. Um, and then, you know, being a boy and being out there on the streets and thing, you know, all my friends is playing baseball. So I was in the Little League, you know, I came up in the Little League and the Senior League, you know what I mean? Um, but playing the, playing the, um, the trumpet and steel pan, was was my main thing until I got to um, the tenth grade. Then I started to play the drums, you know. And when I started to play the drums, being that my father was was already a known drummer in the island, you know, and throughout the Virgin Islands, you know, it was something that I really wanted to accomplish too, you know. So mm -hmm. when I played the drums, it was like, you know, what I mean, there's nothing else in the world I wanted to accomplish. This was me, like, you know. So I was a part of. I was then drumming for the steel band, you know. Then I started to drum for the concert band. I'm drumming for the jazz band. I'm drumming for the choir, you know. I'm playing mm -hmm. and snare in the marching band. You know, I was well-rounded playing drums. Mm -hmm. And anything after that, I mean, uh, my friends and stuff, they just knew me for being a drummer, you know. Mm -hmm. and at the same time, listening to a lot of reggae music, you know, I always used to listen to um, Tabarangs and Bounty Killer. You know, I always would listen to their music. They were like my favorite artists, you know. And then I started to listen to Sizzler, you know, and Anthony B and Capleton and stuff like, I would say, mm -hmm. in the grade, you know what I mean? But, you know, um, just focusing so much on music and me being a young boy and, you know what I mean, getting myself in trouble, you know, with, with friends and stuff like that against other people. And it was just bad. It was just in a bad time. And, you know, my mom had see fit that, you know, I had to leave the island. You know what I mean? I was doing very bad in school, wasn't paying attention in class. You know, it was visible because when my report card came out, it was like, I'm only passing music. I'm having mm -hmm. music failing every other subject. I'm getting a C in, in one class and a D mm -hmm. classes. It was really bad. It was really bad, you know. 
So my mother sent me away to live with my uncle while I was in 11, it wasn't, it was in 11th grade, Valdasta, Georgia. And, um, you know, I spent a whole year there, but when I started out in Valdasta, you know, my uncle, he got me into the school music band and everything. You know what I mean? I went from like the summer before so I could get acquainted with the school and, and stuff like that. So I was already in the marching band. I was showing them stuff that I learned in St. Thomas, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's cool. Because like, we in the Virgin Islands, our marching, our marching system is kind of like how they march in FAMU. You understand? Yeah. The, in Valdasta High, their marching was more like military. It wasn't like lifting the feet high. It was more like you're walking. Mm -hmm. So I had to like, I was showing them some of my stuff. So they really liked that. The teacher didn't really, she was like, no, we're going to keep it our way. But the students, the friends that really like the vibes that I bring, you know what I mean? But still with my old, you know, my ways from the VI, you know what I mean? My uncle, he, you know, he would warn me and tell me like, listen, I know you're smoking your weed and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean? You need to leave all of that back when you come here. Your straight academics. It was like, yo, you were smoking weed, you know? And I admit to him, I couldn't, I mean, I was just stink of weed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. He's like, nah, this is the end of it, you know what I mean? So he took me out of music. I couldn't mm -hmm. play it no more. I couldn't play the drums no more. I was like totally grounded. Back up. Yeah. Do nothing. I couldn't leave the house unless I was with him or the family or it was nothing like I couldn't link up with friends, nothing. He mm -hmm. just did it. So I was having it hard, you know? Mm. So I was in 11th grade. So it's like, you know, I can't play the drums. This is all I know. You know, this is all I really want to do. He's not allowing me to do it. Like, you know what I mean? So I turned all that talent to the pen. Started to write oh. me, you know? So that's I, how you got into writing? Yeah. Okay. I know. I was already listening to, to reggae music, you know, it was it was already the heartbeat of me. So I just started to write music. I would just, you know, hear music in my head and just write, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Write, you know, and I already had a virgin back in St. Thomas. He was in, 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 in Charlotte Amali too, younger than me, Rafael Jassi, you know, uh -huh. Rafael, doing his thing before yeah. me and younger than me. Still younger than me. I mean, he could never get older than me, right? <laughs> <Facts>. <laughs> yeah, so he, I sent him some of my, you know, some of my work that I was doing. We would talk on the phone and stuff. And he would always be like, yo, you need to come back home. You need to come back home. We could do the same here. You need to link up and, and do it, you know? So, right. end up um, recorded. Before I even get there, like I would always ask my uncle to let me go out and link with some other people. Like after I started to write and stuff, yeah. I had to, you know, become popular in school as a as an artist too. Because I had one time there was this little rap contest and some some Belgians was there rapping and you know doing their thing and there was a little huddle and I just you know what I mean just jump in there just you know what I mean just try and show myself. And sing a mm -hmm. shot. I just jump in and sing a song, but nobody there don't know this shot. But nobody, <laughs> nobody know. Them time Sean Paul isn't even an artist he is right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sean Paul and everybody went crazy like yo, 
<laughs> Jamaica, the suit, and you know what I mean? So when I did that, I realized like I had something I had to live up to. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't continue singing nobody's song, you know? I had yeah. to write. Right. You know I mean? And I think earlier you talked about listening to Sizzla as a young boy, but then you ended up working with him at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So how did that feel? Like, you know, you're a young boy listening to Sizzla, you look up to him, you love his music, and then one day you end up actually working with the artist that you look up to. How did that feel? It's something like, you know, I tell him that, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you no, know, like, you know what I mean? No, he record right here. The songs that uh-huh. we did recorded right here in my studio. So it's uh-huh. not just work. We actually eat food together. We right. do. Right. We up together is more than just you know what I mean and we travel and do shows together mm-hmm. you know what I mean? so I had to sit back a couple times and like wow look how far from for a man that really inspire me and make me want to really write my own music and do you know that right. I, I, he's somebody I could pick up the phone and call you know yeah son so it's is it's a grateful situation I could never I could never be ungrateful for it and yeah, a powerful so, vibe. So, artists that as, I work that that really, you know, like Barry Hammond and you know, um, I've never worked with Barry Hammond, but we have did many shows together. You know, and, and mm. he always shared his 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 vibes with me and let me to know like he loved my music and oh, yeah, he's always a good vibes. You know, what I mean, Damian. Yeah. Martin. Is always when I'm working with them, they show me how much they love my music. So it makes mm. me back and you know and think about it in my spare time and be like, wow, you know. Yeah. Have you gotten a chance to meet Damian Marley? I say that again. Have you gotten a chance to meet Damian Marley? Yeah, man. Like me and Damian Marley, not have just we like not just met. We we know each other for quite some time me and Damian Marley link in the studios like me and him alone for many I I used to live in Miami you know mm-hmm. and I used to go to them me and Damian used to link up in the studios like every night you know and wow. this is not like we have it on video and we in there snapping and right yeah. uh-huh. I mean because for me it's like you know I like to take in the moment yeah. to share with the world you know and, right, and I, I take in that moment when I around greatness too. You know, it's like if it's if I'm blessed to be in this room, not everybody in the world deserves to to be in this moment. Let right, right. Feel it for my when I tell them about my experiences. Yeah, you know son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Live still, you know. Yeah, I love. Um, I mean, it's not a secret, but like Bob Marley is like one of my all-time favorite artists. And I mean, a lot of people say that, but it's just like Bob Marley just, I feel like encompasses so much in his music, like goes over their head. And Mm -hmm. similar, I just feel like that's just kind of like the genre of like reggae. Fast forward to you're in the industry and now you're with people that you've looked up to. You're a respected artist. You know, how, how do you feel? So when I was like looking up, your different work, you know, I saw this article that was talking about backlash over um, a video that you put out and, you know, how it could be offensive to certain people in the community and the Rasta community. But my question is not so much about that article. It's more about like, 
how do you as an artist like how do you respond to when somebody I guess like misses what you're trying to portray or your art um do you feel like especially like an obligation to your community to kind of not justify but like have to give an explanation um I I have never been in a position where I felt like I had to explain anything I've done because um the work the work that I have always been doing has been you know received by the community very well you know um that that video that that you speak about it's basically just the video you know and um you know I could speak on that you know yeah uh, I what I wanted for the video you know I mean it, it came out basically the way I wanted to you know but it was a situation where you know um because they're basically talking about the girls in the video yeah you know, yeah the, the nakedness or whatever sexy <laughs> mm -hmm. or whatever you know um it was a situation where it was a spur at the moment somebody who was at my video shoot a close friend to a close friend of mine that was invited to my video shoot flew in from Miami with those girls and they were at my video shoot in those same clothing everything <laughs> that's they, interesting that's interesting yeah they were there and when they came in the room everybody was like in my ear like yo you have to get these girls on camera dog. you have to get these girls on camera and mm. you know room is just lighting up so what do i do i get these girls on camera right it's nothing that i had planned like yo i need those to come to my video the only thing i had there was the african girls dancing mm -hmm. you know? oh, okay those were the only girls a part of the video that's why those girls look like the video is not is like something it, it doesn't yeah, that's so what I'm saying. It's like yes, right. That makes yes. so much sense. So I know. with this part with you ex has these these girls showing this, but in this part of the video, it shows a different side of you know of 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 a girl portraying her art. You know, I mean, and dancing in an African way, and then he has these like, what's really so yes. there's no connection, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not gonna be hypocrite because I'm the artist, and you know, it's my video. You know, I could I could fairly say that okay, that is definitely a mistake, and so I would never allow nobody to get in my head and say, "Yo, you have to do this." Not at the spur of the moment, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm glad I, that we had the opportunity. Mm -hmm. They must know that it, it came from a place of love, and it was the vibes at the moment, and. You know, it was nothing like this is what I'm looking for, even though it may seem that way. Yeah. You know? Right. That's the reason why the video has this, like, okay, has this. Like, without those girls, I think the video would have brought out what I really was trying to. Oh, explain. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I love that. But I love that you clarify that. And in the sense, too, it's like what we talk about, like perception, right? we have no yes. idea what went behind or what was going on in the video and 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 you know all we can do and what people do is that they just like judge right away so they see they something speculate. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not i'm i'm like damn why like how did i allow that they're right mm -hmm. 
You know what wow. I mean? That's mm -hmm. what I do. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not yeah. going to be with like, yo, well, you know, say, well, I'm my thing and they can say what they want. But <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm I love good. that, yeah. though. I really do. Like, I'm just like that. Like, if that's what it is, it is. That's what it is, you know? Yeah. Right. But I'm glad that, you you know, we talked about it and you got an opportunity to explain that because, you know, after you know, reading that article, it seemed like a lot of people were confused. Oh, sorry? Yeah, I've never explained that. Nobody never asked me that to even explain that ever. So, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, um, it, it's so funny too. Cause when I did come across it, like I'm, I'm like, I'm a fan of your music every, every single time you drop something. So I was like, I always play music videos. Um, I know of those girls as well. Like I've actually met one I, of them and it I was. I never saw these. <laughs> That's so funny. I never heard or saw these girls my life. When That's so girls, interesting. Everybody knew these girls except me. I this bubble that I don't know who. So you could imagine me and everybody's like, yo, they how you know they even thought I know the girls. Right, right. Right. The people on the set thought that I knew these girls and I had them come in. I'm like, I don't know these girls. Yeah. So they're like, man, like you're like, yo, they here. So I mean if they want might as well camera, like like they, they don't mind they don't mind getting on camera you know what i mean and i'm mm, just and right and they're looking at me from this standing up on the side and then i'm like i don't want to be an idiot you know like yeah yeah and then you don't want to be like that person to be like nah yeah. you can't be in my video there's <laughs> people telling me yo you don't know them girls they have two million followers they could put yo you know what kind of young and then i'm like you know that that makes sense. You know. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. can I ask so, you something? There's nobody. Let me just say this. There's uh -huh. no there to tell me nah. Mm. Nobody was there, and that's a god honest truth. Yeah. When I mean, everybody at the moment had their eyes full and dazzling. <laughs> and you have to do that. Yeah. So you can know? I ask you something? Now that you said everything, like pressure, let's go back in time, that happens, would you put them in that video? Would they have been in that video? No. And I think that that's so, like, I love that you say that because I feel like a lot of people, like, just have such a hard time being like, yeah, that was a mistake, or, you know, oh, thinking right. about it now, they shouldn't have been because, yes, mm -hmm. if you look at that video, like you said, Everyone oh. else in the video looks like they belong there. Like the women in it were beautiful and just like dancing, like and the dance and the yes. vibe, right? They those girls basically took away from the, the the song. What we really tried to, you know, because people was like, "Yo, I never see <laughs> that." Right. <laughs> One, you know, and people have high respect for the rasta, you know, and yeah. to the, yes. and, that we put out so i'm not a fool to that you know what i mean so i know i know how it could be an eyesore like no that's not no you understand mm -hmm. yeah it was that it was just that and it's 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 in my past even though it's for the world to see and it will never come off the internet but what you never see i, I didn't kill nobody i just love mm -hmm. yep right and if, yep and if no. that's feel 
and that's what I had planned, then that means I was happy. So I don't business about people. <laughs> but that was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, speaking of, you, you know, you touched on your religion and speaking about misconceptions. Um, a lot of times you see these American artists or Canadian artists, um, you know, trying to portray like Caribbean uh, accents and things like that being like culture vultures. Um, well, how do you feel about that? Um, let me explain. Um, as I was telling somebody the other day, you know, like, Music is a thing where you can, there's every, we don't own music. We don't mm. own it. You know what I mean? Like music is for the birds. Like, you know, we don't own it. And, you know, inspiration is a thing that you can't hold on from nobody, you know, and everybody, there's so many people that could be called a culture vulture, you know, mm. like, yeah, so sensitive. Look, like, I, I'm not Jamaican. Am I a culture vulture? You know what I mean? I'm doing reggae mm -hmm. music. When the VI don't do reggae, we don't do calypso and soak and, you know, that's our thing. So pressure is a yeah. culture. Rihanna is a culture vulture. She doesn't, she's from Barbados. She, they're, they're not an R&B community. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Right. So I'd be mad if somebody's inspired by Caribbean music and wants to pursue mm -hmm. You know, because there's a lot of Caribbean people pursuing American music, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and, and it goes vice versa. Like, we can't be hypocrite to, to what we want. Like, you know what I mean? Okay, if they're doing it and they're not doing it well, then we have a problem with that. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. They're not yeah. doing it. They should do it well. I like when somebody who's not from around here and they sound like they're from around here, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and it goes to say, for me, you know, for many years, you know, I get fight down from VI people. Oh, Pressure song like he's a Jamaican. He song like he, you know, yes. he don't, don't mm -hmm. like, you know, for years. And I don't just hear it and don't study it. But Jamaicans think that my music is very authentic. Mm -hmm. And VI people, yeah. they, they just, whatever happening, they just go with it. VI don't, we don't have no product we ever take to the world. You know, yeah, son, so mm -hmm. Jamaican. The, the, the market where I the music I just do, you know, and I thought yeah. that I was authentic in doing the music to the point that even I've been down there so much to the point that even when I do interviews, you know what I mean? I may be speaking like I is a Jamaican because of how much of it is around me and I just so right. Yeah, you're you're embracing it, their culture too. If I am going to surround myself, if I want to go to Swahili, I got to learn. If I want to go to Kenya, I got to learn Swahili. Mm -hmm. I got to learn how to communicate with the people. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I Ravi, I to somebody who live in Wisconsin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got to that, you know what I mean? I got to find that, that, that mid where they could understand mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. You know, and this is where we, we, we bridge the gap by yeah. by people to understand our culture and be inspired by the culture you know yeah. and it's very important so when it comes to culture vulture and thing and i hear people i proud to know that the music reaching people that they want to do it yeah when i listen to reggae i always can see and hear the influences that it has like what that means what the religion means um to the people and i've like 
I've, you know, on my own, I know a lot of people don't do this on their own, even though I'm not, I'm not one. I just like love to know the sayings and, and certain things um, because I do think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys use like I and I, it reminded me of like namaste, like the God in me honors the God in you. And it's kind of, to me, it was so beautiful. And I'm like, I want more people to kind of know more about the beauty of that. So can you maybe share things maybe that people missed? Like they wouldn't yeah. never really know about. Yeah, I means I, me. And I and I means we. So Rasta would say I and I. Like I and I, which means all of us or we. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Rastafari for me, it's not a religion. You know, it's a way of life, you know? Mm -hmm. And meaning a way of life before we, Rastafari carries the oldest way of life in civilization known to man. Meaning without scissors and comb, we should not be eating of the flesh, you know? We eat of the herbs, you know? And um, we do unto others as we want done unto ourselves. That is the law of Rastafari, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And love meaning to all mankind, all the universe, to all earth, as how God created man, you know? How does it influence your music? Like It influences it a lot because Rastafari is everything for me, you know? Rastafari is a God in me. Rastafari is, 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 is my way of life, you know? is the way I think. is you know, everything that I do, I make sure that I keep Rastafari in the midst, you know? Um, and I, I say Rastafari because Rastafari is, is the true African king, you know, and which sits on the oldest throne, the throne of King David, which in the Bible um, was spoken. Even Jesus mentioned in the Bible that when he returned, that he would sit on the throne of King David, you know, and um, nobody else but Haile Selassie came and sat on the king on, on the throne of King David and was crowned King of Kings, Lord of Lords, conquering lion, conquering lion, tribe of Judah, elect of himself, you know, which was mentioned in the Bible, you know. So through the prophecies and through the history of the Bible, we get to see the fulfillment that a king actually crowned and named these things and you know, um, so we start to seek him and seek his, his, um, what is he up to? What is, you know, who is this man? What is he doing? And, you know what I mean? And it only led us to seeing all the wonderful things that he, he's fulfilled in the Bible. And, you know, I may be just talking along the waters right now because I don't know where to start, but it's, you know, no, but I like what you said. It is a way of life. And I think, you know, even in your right. music you know so for for me now it's just you know he teaches me to 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 be conscious and to be wise and to advance you know and rastafari is not just you know having a red gold and green shirt and you know a, a africa medallion you know and smoking ganja you know rastafari is everything rastafari is the doctors and nurses you know, um, the taxi drivers, you know, the plumbers, everybody who helps to make society work. You know what I mean? It's 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 the lawyers. It's it's everything. You know what I mean? 
And, you know, you could find that, you know, Rastafari is in all places. You know, people, you know, people just tend to think about Rastafari as being like some elders living in the hills and, you know, beating Kete drum and wearing red, gold and green and smoking ganja and, and praising Haile Selassie first. And, yeah, we do that as well. There's a churchical order and, you know, there's also the warrior order, you know, and, you know, there's so much, no, but is, is education and, and uh, spirituality, as Haile Selassie speaks a lot about spirituality, you know, and Haile Selassie himself was an Orthodox Christian, not the Christian that we know, the, the, um, the Jesus Christ Christian, what I'm talking about, the oldest form of, of religion known to man is Christianity, and which came from Africa way before you know, um, we heard about Jesus Christ, you know. Um, so Christianity is a thing that African people know for a long time. So through the Divine Bible, you know, which was originated in Africa, you know, not the King James, you know, but the Bible that is written in Jehis, you know, the original language of the African people, you know, it will show you that, you know, we as a people, um, where we're going as a people and where we're coming from, you know, and it will teach you a lot of spirituality, you know, so there's much to mention about Rastafari, but you know, it's a thing where you have to want to learn it, you know, because for me, mm -hmm. person to go around, you know, I'm trying to convert anyone, you know, I'm not trying to mm -hmm. to goodness and mercy through the music and captivate the minds of people you know, make women feel good about themselves, you know what I mean, inspire soldiers, you know, talk about the revolution, talk about things that really can help us as a people. And that is Rastafari, you know, and in between, you know, give praises unto Rastafari within the music, you know. But, you know, it doesn't, it's, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like within Rastafari, a religious, you know, like I'm just all about singing about you know, you know, because music is music. I'm here to captivate, captivate the world with, with my work, you know, because I'm blessed. He blessed me to, to do work. So it must be right. glorify his name. And, and at the same time, I could sing a song to make people enjoy a party. You know, it, 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 from it bring happiness, from it bring joy, from it brings life. Mm -hmm. so I want to be a part of it, you know. And just for clarification, pressure, pressure um, the guy that you mentioned, Haile Selassie, he was a king in Ethiopia. Yes. Is that true? Yes. And, and Rastafari, they looked to him as one of the prophets. No, we actually technically or God on earth in flesh. Okay. Yeah. That is Rastafari. Okay. Haile Selassie. God on earth. And I think one thing that you said too, and I think it's also um, within within um, being a Rasa is like the importance of knowing your history. Yes. Um, because I've, you know, just, I feel like anybody that says they're a Rasta, like I, I feel like they can give me that, like give me some history, like, okay, hold up, sit down, like, you know? And I think that's so important because again, you know, with so much, um, especially in the time we're in like right now, 2020, identity is such a huge topic that's at the forefront of so many people. And 
Brittany yeah, and I, I talked about this in an earlier episode about identity. Why is knowing your history so important? It, it's very important because, you know, you will easily sell out. You will easy, you, you, how are you going to not know where your people are coming from and, and how hard we have struggled to, to get where we're at? And, you know, and, and how can you forget your history? How can you not know these things? You know what I mean? I, you know, I mean, for me, even within Rastafari, I had to seek black history. Like black mm -hmm. history been my most like favorite subject in school. Like when it was black history month, I had the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was the one talking about the Malcolm X and, you know, and the Martin Luther King and those who were really, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it means a lot to me. So your history is a thing where, you know, it, it you have to carry on and, and, and learn your history. Facts. I don't know what else to think about that. You know, you cannot be living and don't know your roots and, and where you're coming from. And when you know that, you know, you will you will seek you will seek the throne, you know? You will you will see yourself. Right. Yes. You know yeah. And that's what I was telling Joyce is that I feel like Caribbean people and, and people that descend straight from Africa, they have this sense of pride because they know where they come from. Yeah. So there's not many external factors that could kind of change the way that they see themselves. And sometimes it's misinterpreted as, you know, being arrogant or whatever, but I think having a solid foundation and knowing your history, you have that pride, you have that sense of, you know, you're being proud of who you are and you stand firm in it. Bucks. yep. Yeah. So just to change gears a little bit, I see that you've been very vocal on social media about gun violence and that has been plaguing uh, the territory for a while now. And then also on the, on the US mainland, you know, seeing that all these shootings going on in colleges and schools. What do you think has to be done to address these issues? Do you think it starts from home? Do you think it's the government? Um, where do we start? It's just getting worse. It's getting worse. And it's, it's like, I don't know. Because the kind of thing one man dying for is like, no, man, we can't be. We're going backwards, man. Right. No, backwards, man. Like, when we were going to school, it had a D.A.R.E. program. You know, we had rising stars. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was so much thing they had after school basketball, like zero tolerance had a basketball program. We also had like street league. You know, what I mean? yeah. so much, we also had so much different things going on that these youth could have like take out their anger in the basketball court, take it out in the, in the baseball field. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if it's the activities. I really don't have much to do for the youth then. Think about it. it really right, it's, it's true. Don't. Yeah, a lot of the activities that used to exist, even when I was a child, no longer exist. And it ain't exist so long that it ain't even cool to do it no more. Mm. Yeah, so right. like it yeah. ain't been long that it, the youth then ain't, they, you get so much youth burning and they reaching 10 years old and never play in the little league. They never... Play outside, just play outside. Like, <laughs> it outside with a bike going and a playground, and mm -hmm. here that's busing and gotta run back home until they reach right. a stop. Then they become the one firing shot. Yeah, you know, no avenue for the youths them out there to to do things like a lot of the basketball court them in fix. So you can't go right. play. You want 
You know what I mean? Is is like it's a lack of resources, you know. You know, I so, thought that's a part of it too. That's just a part of it too, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because mothers and fathers, yeah, they play a big role in it, but survival and cast a living, they gotta go out, work two and three jobs to make ends meet. They got a lot of single mothers out there, and then they youth them. In their father in around too. Now they got turned to a, a man on the street who are hustling to, to right. show right. To, to live and how to be a man. You know, it's a cycle what just keep happening over and over and over and over and over. And I think too, a lot of people say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And in the territory, we see that that village aspect is, is lost. It's like non-existent now, you know. Um, Russell, my husband, he said he grew up in the projects and back then it was different. Everybody was kind of like a family, even though they weren't related to you, you know, they could easily call up your mom and say, look, I saw Russell doing so and so and so, you know, but you can't do that anymore. It's like everybody's living in silos in a, you know, independent way of living and they're not looking out for one another. So I think that's another factor. Facts. Coming up, I had no who live in every building in ghettos. <laughs> yeah. Live in every building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I just know here yeah, he come from building three. That building, man, yeah. <laughs> everybody. Right. You know? They were them tell, like, we get in a fight today, like tomorrow or by later we playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? It was that type of thing. You yeah. Know? Young war thing is it, it reach a level before now. It just have youth that just look in stripes. Yes. Can't do them nothing. Yeah, and then with a with a recent killing on Saint Croix um, of a young boy, I was watching a guy's. He was from Saint Croix as well. Uh, he went live on Facebook and he was talking about you know growing up, even if you are around the wrongdoings, you know people selling drugs and things like that. The guys on the corner trying to make it they themselves would tell the young guys like him growing up saying, no, I don't want you to be like me. I yeah. want you to go to school, get your education and, you know, you do well to... for yourself. You but now to... it is changed, you know, you the values to... are lost. Listen, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons me grew up selling drugs in ghettos yeah. and doing that in any place in the Virgin Islands. Because the man never were doing it, they didn't want me doing it. Mm. Not you. You no, you go home. I used to get sent home, you know. No, the older gangsters them used to send me home, you know. Like, no man, you for brongy, you go home. Wow. You know what I mean? And either I I either and some of them locked up. Still, a couple of them just come out of jail after 23 years. You know what I mean? Wow. It does tell them it'll be like, yo. I give thanks, you know, that I used to send me home, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I give thanks, I used to send me, used to deal with me, how I used to deal with Look, you and G just still 23 years. You know what I mean? I could have been, could have been the best thing that never happened. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Really like, yo, that dude, pressure, he had something. 
But yeah. can I ask you a pressure because especially how you were talking about your upbringing too. Okay, now we know that part too. People were looking out for you, and then when you weren't doing well in school, you know, kind of the things that were taken away. Like, how did you make that sh- like? that push of like, okay, fine, like I'm gonna do music and do it like full throttle because that's allowing me a path to whatever it is. Like, did you did you want, um, can you like remember, recall, like, like I wanna be successful, you know? And especially coming from a small island, like I imagine like for you all, it's the same as coming from like a small city, you know? Okay, so let mm-hmm. me tell you what. So after I brought my grades up, my uncle allowed me to go to a little studio in a ghetto in Valdasta with one of my friends that I was going to school with. He allowed me to go down there and record one of my songs that I have written, that I write, that I wrote in the house. When I wrote that, when I recorded that song, first of all, before my uncle take me there, he tell me, listen, you have one hour. I'm coming back for you in one hour. He didn't trust me to stay in the hood for no three, four hours at all. He's like, <laughs> one hour but I already had <laughs> when he came back and picked me up and we pushed that CD in his deck he looked at me and he like oh, you sound good man you sound mm-hmm. good at that moment right I take that CD and I make a copy of it and I send one of the copies down to the VI to one of my friends um, and he sent it out he was like leaving everybody hear it and I was getting a lot of good reviews a lot of like support from people in my hood that had hear it, I was like, yo, Precious you sung in good note. I was just Delano then, right? I was like, yo, Delano, you sung good, you sung good. So now, I ready to go back to St. Thomas. And this is only like, I, I already did a year, and I'm getting ready, I'm in 12th grade now, getting ready to finish 12th grade. I went in 11th grade, so now this is like the middle, the middle of 12th grade. And I just call my mom and I start ball out to my mother. I say, listen, mommy, I ready to come home. You know what I mean? I could do mm-hmm. nothing to change my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's to my mother. You know what I mean? I want to graduate and I want to graduate and Charlotte. Oh. I want to be a chicken hawk. Try <laughs> 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 and she bring me back home. To, mm. to, to school, you know what I mean? It's in Thomas. And that's when I link up with Rafi now. Mm-hmm. We now doing talent shows in school. We're doing freshman show, introduction night. You know, me and Rafi, we even do Star Fest. You know, mm-hmm. I love at the time to equip. Which was a huge uh, talent show in the Virgin Islands, yeah. by the way. But you had to, like, you had to be the best of the best. It wasn't anybody coming in and performing at Starfest. You actually had to try out to be yes. in Starfest. So, you know, a lot of the people that performed at Starfest ended up being, you know, the pressures of the world and being these international dancers and things like that. So, Starfest wow. uh, showcased some great talent. So we did that, you know, so we get them recognized throughout the school and, you know what I mean? Just so me and look. Them man get some, I hearing them man get some chanters out in Idora Ken, you know. We need to go out there and see what's going on with them man out there, you know. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. yeah, no, they them man had a little chant out out there. And we say we're going to compete with these artists out in, in, in Idora Ken, you know. 
we gone out there, we fresh, everybody see me walking, but they hearing about us from Charlotte and Mali. You know what I mean? We gone up on stage and we mash up the stage out in the door again, right? <laughs> and them artists out there like, what? No, man. So we like, you know something, we ain't trying to get, you know, competition with these artists. We're going to link these artists. At the same time, you know what? Indie, Icarus, you know, from out in, um, in Idora King. So we tell them, listen, when I get some free time, I need to come in tongue, man, and come check who in tongue. <laughs> I used to live on the avenue at the time, and all of we are linked up by my house. And we used to link mm. up, and like, all of us used to be singing. It was six of us at the time. All of us used to be chanting and trying to write our music by my house and thing. And then one day, I feel like, listen, man, them, a vision hit me, you know. I think we need to call ourselves Starlion family. Though. And then mm. like, all of we like look at one another, we're like, yeah, that is song hard. And from that day, we just, we go, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we started, yeah. our first show we did was with Sizzler. Sizzler. Oh my God. It was in 1999, Sizzler come to St. Thomas in Griffith Park and Star family mm. opened up. That was our first wow. Big concert and everybody had loved us. We, they couldn't stop it about us. You know what I mean? Mm. We got called to go sing Croy to do this big local show at Island Center. And Starlight and we went over there and we mash up over there to everybody. In the <laughs> Lion family. So now we as a group, we become like the number one opening act. Anytime an artist coming is like, they try and get Starlight. Starlight, yeah. <laughs> now it's seven of us, you know, because we involve Jagan, who is a dancer. So now we got fire dancer now, right? This <laughs> afterward. And we just doing our thing. It's seven of us, none of us ain't playing no instruments, nothing. We just artists. Performing. You know? mm. Yeah, you know, the place. So when I went Synchro, when we went Synchro to do the show at the Island Center, I had meet um, a producer called Dean Pan. He was already producing Apostle Army. You know, he had real powerful artists coming from Synchro at the time. Synchro, yeah. And, and Dean Pan had that production that I wanted. Like his music that he was producing was like, nah. I really want to work with this producer here. We need to work with him. So I meet him in St. Croix and he come to me and he's like, listen, man, that group, Starlion Family, ah, you sound mad, mad. But I ain't gonna lie to you, right? You, I really like how you sound. You mm. mad. I really want to work with you. So I like, yeah, man, let me, let me do some work, you know what I mean? So Dean, like, let me know about Starlion family, I like, man, you know, this probably ain't a good time to do no solo work. You know, I get a lot of bridging. We all trying to do it together. So, you know what I mean? Let me try and involve the family. So me and Dean will just keep in touch. Yeah. And, you know, and me and Starlion family will continue doing our own thing, building music together by my house and stuff. Then one day I just like, man, listen, I want to do some work with Dean. Me and Dean been in and I ready to do some solo work with Dean. So I tell the rest of the man them, you know, in my heart I was feeling like, you know, probably one or two of them won't, you know, ain't gonna feel too good about that. But I said I'm gonna just that this is I feel like it was the time for me to start doing some solo work. 
Yeah. Tell them. And everybody were like, yeah, well, I feel like being not a two man. I'm glad you said because I wanted to do some solo work. <laughs> like, wait, so, <laughs> so everybody were feeling this way. <laughs> Let's go. Right. Yeah. Still Starlay and family forever. You right, know? yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be. Do our own thing, you know what I mean? If yeah. I mean, I say, yo, pressure, I need you on this rhythm, I need you on, you know, it's a done deal, nothing never change. So I just continue working with Dean. Me and Dean put out our first album, The Pressure Is On, right? My first album, The Pressure Is On, and um, that song, that that album just got so much good reviews throughout the VI. I talk about like songs like No Limitations, Zion is mm-hmm. Home. Um, like those classics. And a whole was just everybody was talking about it. And Dean used was living in Miami at the time too. He used to work at Guitar Center. And one day Dan Carlyan from Jamaica came in. You know, I guess he and Dan had a relationship. Dan would always come there and get some softwares for the computer or little, you know, whatever he need for the studio. And Dean would always hook him up with some discounts and things. So Dean would give him a copy of the CD, you know. And Dan just called me. He just like, yo, like, I get a CD here from Dean. Like, I want to work with you. Wow. I I love all these tracks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He said for the whole time he was in Miami, he was listening to my music. But one oh week, my gosh. I had to pick up the phone and call me. He said he get my number from Dean or whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? So at the time, I was like, this is Dan? Oh, Dan Carlyan, you mean like... Right. <laughs> Dan Carlyan, you mean Vibes Cartel Dan Carlyan? Yeah. <laughs> the... <laughs> so he sent me like 13 rhythms, yo. 13. Wow. One time, he was sure he wanted to do an album with me. You know, mm-hmm. and out of 13 tracks, you know, the first track that caught my attention was The Love and Affection. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I heard the track, the day I got the track, I actually went to Miami, you know, um, and Dean, he sent Dean the tracks, and Dean downloaded the tracks in Guitar Center, so we were playing the tracks. And one of the speakers in the back, like you know, people like go and test out the speakers. Yeah. The music and the speakers in the back. And when the rhythm for love and affection came on in the big speakers, I like holy nah, I love this track right here. Nah, I mm. need I gonna start working on this track. So I left guitar center with the music. I went to my friend's house in Miami. I stayed on for like four hours writing a song. Soon as I finish oh with Al Dean, I say, Yo, Dean, I have a song. I have a song. I think Dan gonna like this one. I hope he like it. And he <laughs> say, All right, give me a minute. I'm gonna meet you to the studio. So we meet up to the studio. I sing the song for Dean. Dean is like, Yo, pressure. If Dan don't take this song, I stop producing. <laughs> <laughs> I stop producing music. Yeah. <laughs> So I recorded the song in the song in Dean's studio and Dean and we sent it to Dan Carlyan and Dan's response was like, Yo, this is a record. This is the biggest record. I need you to come to Jamaica. You let me know how what's the soonest you could get to Jamaica. I gonna fly you into Jamaica. I was like, yo, boss, when you ready to fly me to Jamaica? <laughs> 
I'm ready. No. I'm ready now. I don't think my bags are all now. <laughs> With two weeks, I want a plane to Jamaica. You know what I mean? And I recorded songs, but then I actually re-recorded Love and Affection in Dan Kapian studio. Right? Okay. Dan released the song, I would say, probably like two to three months after. And it was history after that. I went from like, 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 I was doing shows with the pressure is on, you know what I mean? Like, I was doing shows for like $100, $300, just trying to get my name out, you know what I mean? Trying to get yeah, any, yeah, to then have to then have one song, Love and Affection. Like, nobody ain't know me for no other song. My first song is a hit record, and you know. Four thousand dollars to sing. Price more. went up quick. <laughs> uh, I I like this. I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can live like this. I could do this. I can... <laughs> and it was like it was it was a humbling moment for me because of course I've been listening to everything Dan Carly and put out. So to for him to call me personally. I didn't even have like a heads up, like yo, Dan Carly, I'm gonna link you. you know? <laughs> yeah. It was like, yo, this is Dan, Dan Carly, who Dan? <laughs> Dan, young man, out of man. I said, Dan Carly. <laughs> <laughs> I was excited, oh. really, really. Wow, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What? Yeah, after that. What advice can you give aspiring musicians or aspiring artists and that maybe you wish you had early on? What I didn't have was the internet, you know? <laughs> That's what I didn't have when I was in my early stages. That's the advantage a lot of the youths have right now, to utilize the internet, you know what I mean? The internet is your biggest distribution, you know? Um, Labels are looking to see how much you are doing before they even want to work with you, you know, which means that you got to put in your own work. You got to work hard. You got to promote your music, you know, and you got to make sure you have the right music to promote, you know, and don't waste your music on something that you like. You got to, you got to test the waters as well. You know what I mean? Throw music out there on SoundCloud, see what people feel like, you know what I mean? Get some real fans involved. Even if you have to get eat up on World Star, put a song up on World Star and watch the worst things people have to say about you. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. because people eat you up on the internet. You know that? Yeah, they I mean, do. So you, you put your stuff up there to get eat up. Listen mm-hmm. to the and take the sense out of all of it. See if it real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at the same time, be unique. Be yourself, you know? People are search. People want to work with... They don't want to work with somebody that sounds like somebody else. Because yeah. they could... Right. You understand? Like, have something about you that's different from everybody else. Work hard on your quality, you know what I mean, versus quantity, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's like you go to eat food from somebody that, that doesn't cook a lot of food, but it's versus somebody that serves 100 people and the food is just blah. You know, they, didn't, they, they couldn't season all of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, right. it's, so you got you to gotta make sure that the quality that you're putting out it's worth people spending 99 cents for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. You got to perfect your craft at the end of the day. Straight up. 
Earlier you had talked about your dad, Brownie, um, Irvin Brownie Brown. He was a legend. I mean, his, he was a radio personality. He was a famous Calypsonian and musician. Um, he really made a huge impact in the Virgin Islands and throughout the Caribbean, you know. I had did a couple interviews with Brownie and I have to say that was one of my, some of my favorite interviews I ever did. I had ran for Carnival Queen and I was involved in other things where I did interviews with him and he was such a genuine soul. I mean, the community really loved him. He had came to my school one time. I was little, I was maybe in sixth grade or something. And he came and did a demonstration on the drums. And that was something I have never experienced. Yeah, like, I had no idea the drums could even make those <laughs> those type of sounds. It was almost melodic, you know? Or using the elbow. Yeah, he yes, he was it. using his elbow and then still drumming with his... It was amazing, you know? I, w- I would never um, forget that experience, but he was such a beautiful soul, and I know he touched a lot of people in the Virgin Islands. Definitely. And I know he probably expi- inspired your music career, so can you talk about how he inspired you in that way? Well... That's that's what inspired me, you know what I mean? His his greatness and the big man that he was, you know. My father wasn't very he he, he didn't have a lot of education books. My father dropped out of school in seventh grade and he would always tell people that, you know. But my father has surpassed educated people by the heart he carried for his people. Oh body. yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he could walk through any door without a diploma, you know, and, and amongst the greatest and sit with the governor and, you know, he played golf yeah. with Clinton and my father has made a lot of his dreams come true because of the big heart that he have and, you know, just the man that he was for his community, you know, and for me, that's the part that I got from my father, like being the activist for my community, like, you know what I mean? Like when my community... Yeah. Me, I dare for my community, like you know, like it's just that you know, helping out. Yeah. I want it, it's a big thing that he done, you know, and he didn't have to tell me this is what I should do, you know. He led by example, mm-hmm. you know, and and not mm-hmm. just for a lot of other people who looked up to him, you know, and who he would always, you know, they would call him and be like, Brongy, you know, a lot of drummers, you know, that even me, I look up to to drummers like Lenny, you know. I look up to a lot of drummers in the Virgin Islands and they look up to my father, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> you know, because when I started to grow up playing drums, my father had done retire. So I seen him play drums a couple of times, but the drummers that I really had loved who were actually playing, they were like, yo, boss, it's your father we learned to play drums from. <laughs> <laughs> It was a different. It was a different vibe to know that you know that I living in a house with 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 a great man, and he's so humble and simple and always yeah. mm-hmm. everything with a joke is always a laughing situation, you know. Even in the house, he was the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. He always want to see you laugh, and he just like that, you know what I mean. So it's just something I would never never forget about him. I and that. I think his his saying was um good thing, right? Good thing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely see him and you pressure. 
I mean, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself. I mean, you're a living legend too. So I definitely see him in you. I don't know if you remember this, but you and I had met, I think Russell were coming back from Tatola. Just that conversation I had with you where we're talking about just the, you know, we're talking about the territory and the different issues. And I was telling you what I wanted to do with like my platform and stuff. And you were just always so encouraging, you know? And um, yeah, just super positive. And I just never forgot that. This was years ago, but you know. I love the program. So that, yeah. That's for sure. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, man. And, and love and everything that you're doing, much prosperity to it, you know, because I love the progress. I love when people have a vision and seek the vision through, you know, you know, and um, it's all kind of pieces to the puzzle, you know, and see it yeah. there. I, and I create a platform and then you create a platform to have me and your platform. And, you know, and that's just the way this business goes, you know, so I, I appreciate you sticking to your word. And coming yes. forward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's true, Brittany, because yeah. I um I also feel that way too. Like sometimes when you meet um people like artists or even people with like a huge following, like you meet them and then you realize that they're like nothing like what they're perceived as, what they're social, and sometimes maybe even their music, like they're just like not down to earth and like literally like you said, you know the the times where I have been able to communicate with you to spend time with you has just been so like somebody that's fully present that's actually there you know encouraging you um so that's amazing you know um for us for Brittany and I this is um a real like surreal yeah. moment because we're both fans of your work oh, yeah. <laughs> and so this has been um oh, yeah. this has been amazing what motivates you like how are you staying motivated especially this year 2020 has been like <laughs> crazy the worst, the worst. <laughs> yeah yes is, needs to go in the dumpster mm -hmm. right <laughs> but what keeps me motivated is knowing that people need motivation <laughs> it's mm -hmm. because i have a job and i know my job you know what i mean so yeah my job is to create music that is going to soothe people in a time when they, you know, when they least feel like they, they have that, you know what I mean? And, you know, when you know your purpose, you stick to it. You just do your job and it's written within me. Nobody has to yes. tell me this. This is something I love to do. Why? Because it, I was given by the most and he gave it to me with a joy to do it, you know? So I just trying to do my job and to create music that's gonna heal people. And I know that's what people want. You know what I mean? I know that's what people need. Should I say? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So that's motivating that. for me. And just turning on the TV and seeing one or two things and you know, everything on a whole. Facebook, you scroll Facebook and you said, sure. What kind of things some people are talking about? <laughs> <laughs> music you know the music carries its own message you know the music talks as well mm -hmm. so it's a rhythm you know that sounds the strings is playing a way that you know i might want to sing a girl i might want to sing for a girl you know if the bass line is a bit heavy i might want to sing for the redemption you know what i mean i might want to sing mm -hmm. something you know, uh, you know, it all depends on the, on the mood swing of the music because that has a voice within itself, you know, and it's like what I'm doing is I'm talking back to the rhythm, 
when yeah. I believe. You know, that's why when it comes together, it feels good. Mm, because right. But the, the, the lyrics and the rhythm understand one another. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> I walk in and a lot of stuff. Crazy music. I am... Um, Right now, I have the team together, the whole camp, Bus Pipe Records. You know, I have um, four artists right now working with on the label. You know, King Lion, um, Kaheem, Kwade, Malika, Pediko. Did I say four? Is that five? Five. Yeah. Oh, I, di I didn't know Pediko was on um, Bus Pipe Records. Pediko is also Okay. He'd been on Bus Pipe Records before anybody else. He was basically the first, one of the first artists on the okay. label. No? Yeah, he's uh, one of my favorite rappers. He's phenomenal. From, from the territory. I mean, and um, yeah, that's big. Yeah, and so we've been putting in a lot of work. Like, every day, music is going on. Like, I stop a session to do this interview. Oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> We're honored. Good <laughs> moment. Minutes they either need to give me a minute. Like they're outside the door right now. Oh. With... <laughs> yeah, fine. Hey, so... maybe maybe you'll get the inspiration to do the next love and affection part two. <laughs> hey, I have some music right now. Might I don't know, love and affection might have to take a seat. Oh, well, we love that. Well, thank you so much. I know that you said that, you know, this is your studio is literally waiting for you. Um, we appreciate you and the time that you've taken. We love this conversation, and I hope our listeners have too. Um, tell them where they can find you, um, your social media, uh, and your music. On um, Instagram, Buspipe on Twitter, Pressure Buspipe on Facebook. You know, um, music is all musical and digital platforms. You know, Spotify, Tidal, iTunes, you name it. It's out there. Everything is out there. Yes, thank you so much again. Bless up, bless up. Love alone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Talk That Talk and Censor with JoJo and Brent. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms. Talk to you next week.